Now, uh, I just want to share with you some uh, humor to start our day this morning. Some New Year's resolutions and prayers. Now, this is not mine, so don't attack me after the worship service. I resolved to stop repeating myself again and again and again. I resolved to work with neglected children, my own. I resolved to take up a new habit, maybe gambling. Lotto, 939 million. It might go up to 1.3 billion, and this is not a joke. I got an email this morning. Can you buy me $200 worth? Don't worry, this person is not from CCFLA. We don't have $200 to spend on that, right? I resolved to break my New Year's resolutions the way, that way I succeed at something. Dear God, may all my troubles last as long as my New Year's resolutions. You see, I have a good fire uh, suggestion for you. How to maintain New Year's resolutions. Don't make any. And finally, dear God, my prayer for 2016 is a fat bank account and a thin body. Please don't mix it up like you did last year, okay? <laughs> Praise God, you're here with us, sister. You also visited the ER. So God has, still has a plan for you. This morning, we continue with our study on the book of Genesis. And why are we studying the book of Genesis? Because this is the book of beginnings. We have... Uh, gone through a lot of chapters, and we continue with the story of Abraham. Pastor Danny shared with us last week about Abraham and the demise of his wife, Sarah. And he also shared how he was able to find a wife, a suitable wife for his son, Isaac. And last week, Pastor Danny challenged us to choose God's best. Right? God's best. And what is God's best? Choose to do God's will always. Choose to do God's will always. Why? Look at what James chapter 1, verse 22 says. Don't just... Can you read that? Don't just... Why? Otherwise, that's not me. That is the Word of God. And the Word of God says, do not merely be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. Why? You might be deceiving yourselves. Pastor Danny shared this some messages ago. Does truth change lives? What changed lives? Truth applied. Commandments obeyed. Lessons learned. Those are the things that change lives. Truth by itself will not change you. 
But the moment you obey that truth, you will begin to experience that change. So James, the brother of Jesus, is telling us, do not be mere hearers of the word, be doers of the word. In the NIV it says, and so deceive yourselves. If you just listen and you don't act, if you just listen and you don't follow, you're just deceiving yourself. So very important. Alright? Why is it important to be able to follow the commandments of God? You remember this? This triangle? It begins with God. And you approach God by faith. And the way that this faith in God is manifested, the evidence is in your obedience. You go to your own doctor. You know you have a checkup. The doctor will prescribe the medication. You go to your pharmacy. You buy the medicine, but you don't take the medicine. You have done everything except that which is most important, which is to take the medicine. Useless. The triangle of God's blessings begin with God. You apply faith to the promises of God, and that faith is manifest in your obedience. Alright? Now, before we proceed with today's message, I want you to get out your cell phone. Only today will you... Come on. I'm serious. Get out your cell phone. This is the telephone number you're going to send a text to. Get it out. I'm serious. Because if I get the paper, it will be longer. This is faster. We use technology. Alright? You are supposed to text your answer to that telephone number. Alright? This is the question. Please don't be so long in your answer. Don't make up any answer. Okay? The first three who will be able to give me an answer receives a prize. I'm not kidding. Ah, you have to text so that you win, so that when you win, you know what it is. And here is the question. Bakit si Butch, bakit may miss call ang asawa mo? Madaya. Text message, no call. Alright? You are so... Oh, you know. Not yet. Sino to? Hindi ko kilala. Alright, here we go. Here's the question. Answer. Answer that question and text it to me. Mm-hmm. Aba, 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 aba. Okay. Who has 909-226-3062? If you don't know your number, we are in trouble. 909-226-3062. Okay, come. Tapos na tayo ng message, tumutunog pa ito. Thank you. Next. Who is uh, 
I'm not saying your answers are correct, okay? I'm just uh, telling you that uh, you are the first three. They told you, hi. Hi. Ito, she is in my phone book. That's why she gets a prize. Christy Ogana. <coughs> Remember, I'm not saying that your answers are correct. At least you are humble enough. Alright. Why did I do that exercise? We keep on talking about discipleship. We keep on talking about intentional discipleship. If we are 200 people here and we have 200 different definitions of the intentional discipleship, how in the world will we move on? Right? Correct? I have one answer. Very wise. What is intentional discipleship? The answer, to disciple intentionally. <laughs> you want me to show you? Maybe it's you. But the best answer by far, hi. I don't even know the number. 818-268-9615. Hi. You're the first to come in, but you did not answer anything. You just said hi. <laughs> Triangle of God's blessing. Starts with God. You apply faith. And you follow in obedience. Then, you will experience the blessing of God. This morning, we continue with Genesis, this time chapter 25. May I please ask everyone to stand as we read the 11 verses of chapter 25. Let's begin. Now, Abraham took another wife, Keturah. The sons of Midian were Ephah and Ephor and Hanok and Abadiah and Elda. All these were the sons of Keturah. Now Abraham. That he lived 175 years. Abram breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man and satisfied with life. And he was gathered to his people. Then his son Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, facing Mamre, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth, where Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. It came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac lived near Beer Lahai Roy. Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you that we can study your word. God, I pray that you will speak to all of us this morning as to the lessons that you'd like us to learn. 
and more importantly, the lessons that we should apply in our lives, that we may experience the reality not only of your presence in our lives, but the blessing of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with us, God, this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Check there. I've titled this morning's message, Be God's... What? Can you read it? Be God's BFF. You like that? You like to be God's best friend forever? Yes or no? Yes. yes. How many of you have best friends? Yes. Are they still with you? No. Are they still your friends? But you can be God's best friend forever. I have three points for us this morning. Live by God's promises. Live with the end in mind. And live to live again. The message today, be God's best friend forever. If last week was choose God's best, this week is you must be God's best. Many times, especially the singles, God, I don't have my God's best. And one of the possibilities is you cannot find your God's best. is because you are not making yourself God's best for this other person. I want God's best. Who doesn't want God's best? Right? But when we neglect our role to be God's best for other people, we might miss God's best for us. I told this story before, especially in the Philippines, you know. Here we are experiencing El Nino. To them, this is already storm. Right? To us. Right? So he was praying to God. God, will you save me? The water is rising. And then the Barangay captain comes. Come! No, God will save me. The waters continue to rise. God, will you please save me? The Philippine Navy. No, God will save me. And the waters continue to rise some more. God, will you please save me? The Philippine Air Force with the helicopter. Come! No, God will save me. He died. And when he went to heaven, he said, God, why did you not save me? I have prayed to you several times to, to save me. You did not save me. And God sent, I sent you the barangay. I sent you the Philippine Navy. I sent you the Air Force. You did not want. What can I do? When God sends you something, when God tells you to do something, you do it. Then you will experience the presence and blessing of God. Live by God's promises. What does that mean to live by God's promises? Let's look at Genesis 25. Now Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. 
She bore him Zimram, Joksham, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, Shua. Joksham became the father of Sheba and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan were Ashurim, Letushim, Lemumim. The sons of Midian were Ephah and Ephor and Hanok and Abida and Elda. All these were the sons of Keturah. Please do not name your children any of these. I will refuse to officiate your wedding. Alright? Now, look at this. Was Abraham married? Was Abraham married? Who was his wife? Now, who is this Keturah? Took another wife. The verb translated took can easily be rendered had taken as the margin of the NIV indicates. Now, when you take a wife, it doesn't mean that you're married to this woman, especially in Tagalog. In the Philippine language, eh, gusto kong asawahin ito? <laughs> oh, you see that? Correct? This is not my wife, but this person wants to take me as a wife. Get the idea? Abraham took Keturah. And who is Keturah? Genesis 25 verse 6. But to the sons of his concubines, plural, Abraham gave gifts while he was still living and sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the land of the east. So Abraham have a wife. The name of his wife is Sarah. Sarah had already died in verse 24. But scholars are saying, that this happened even while still Sarah was alive. You read that in the book of First Chronicles. Now, in their time, slaves were property. He made the first mistake of not trusting God when he took, who did he take? Hagar. By whom he had a son called Ishmael. Now, these concubines held a position somewhat above that of a slave. Why? Because the master took you. Alright? He had somewhat a higher position above that of a slave, yet she was not free. She was still a possession. Nor did she have the status or rights of a wife. The master did have sexual relations with the concubine. That's why you take them in as your concubine. In the Arab community, it's a harem. Her children led an inferior status to those born of a wife, but they could be elevated to the position of a full heir at the will of the master. Right? Now, according to the Code of Hammurabi, the sons of a concubine could be sent away, the compensation for which was the granting of their full freedom. Now, why are we talking about the Code of Hammurabi? This is a pagan code. Alright? Because the code of Hammurabi is a well-preserved Babylonian law code, of, law code of ancient Mesopotamia dating back to 1754 BC. It is one of the oldest deciphered writings of significant length in the world during the sixth Babylonian king, Hammurabi. Where did Abraham come from? From where was he called? He was called from Ur. 
in the Chaldeans. You see his pagan background? That's why we can really apply this to him. Because this was how they operated during that time. So he took, whom did he take? Keturah, with whom he had children. Now why did he have to have children with Keturah? Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What was God's promise? That Abraham would be a father of a great nation. He will be a father of a multitude of nations. And through his line, there will come a blessing for all the nations of all the earth. Right? Now please, Pastor Insung said, we can have concubines. <laughs> no. This passage of scripture is descriptive. It tells us of what is happening. It is not prescriptive, meaning to say, you base your actions on this. Get it? Okay? We're on the same page. Descriptive, not prescriptive. Meaning to say, this is not a command that you should follow. This was for Abraham. Alright? Now, God said, because, what's our first point? We have to live by His promises. And what was the promise of God to Abraham? That he would be a father of a great nation and many nations will be blessed. He would be blessing. If somebody curse him, God would curse him. You know, God's promise, God's protection, God's provision. All right? But what was the problem? So Abraham went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75. He was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So he received the promise at the very young age of 75. Alright? To make matters worse, his wife Sarai was what? Barren. What else? Genesis 18. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. That's why she laughed. So Sarah laughed at herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, old will I now have this pleasure? What was this pleasure that she was referring to? That she would bear a child at an old age. But who told them? God. God told them. For me to be God's best friend forever, I have to live by God's promises. Look at Joshua. Joshua wrote, Now I am about to go the way of all the earth, meaning to say he's about to die. You know with all your heart and soul that none of all the good promises of the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Do you think it is good for us to live our lives based 
on the promise of God? Or would you like to live your life based on some other theory or some other foundation other than the promises of the Word of God? You can do that for sure. But then, may I suggest what, the, what Psalm 119.105 says. Can we read this? Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Whose word? God's word. So we, we encourage you. Even in your small group meetings, in your discipleship and accountability meetings, what should be most present? The word. Remember when I shared with you about perseverance maximizes potential? What was sown? The seed. What is the seed? The word of God. If you don't talk about God, if you don't talk about the word of God, you're just having coffee. Of course, we talk about life. How are you doing? And how is God revealing yourself in that situation? We, we talk about God. But when we don't talk about God, what's it for? Thy word is what? A lamp to my feet and a lamp to my path. We must live our lives based on the word of God. Look at what verse 7 and 8 says. These are all the years of Abraham's life that he lived. 175 years. Is anyone here more than 175 years? I think not. Remember that when God destroyed life through the flood, after that, what did God say? People will no longer live for more than 120 years. But see here, Abraham. How long did he live? 175. Why did he live so long? Why? Abraham breathed his life, his last, and died at a ripe old age, an old man, and satisfied with life, and he was gathered to his people. 175. And how does the Bible describe his life? Satisfied. It's a full life. See, friends, we have a choice. We can choose just to exist. Or we can choose to live. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life in all its abundance, in all its fullness. Or you can just exist. I wake up at 6, I go to work at 8, I clock out at 5, I eat dinner at 7, I, get, I go to bed at 10. That's it. You have a choice. Abraham lived 175. Yes, he was old, but his life was satisfied. And why did he live up to 175? As for you, when God promised him, as for you, you shall go to your father's in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. What if you live 175 and your life is a mess? 
It's good to live at 175, but then you live the full life. I remember my mom was telling me when she was still alive, one of my aunties, uh, I think she was like 100, 105, I think, and they had a party for her, and she got mad. Because several of her children and grandchildren have died before her. Where is so and so? Where is so and so? Dead. But Abraham at 175, he lived and was satisfied. Why? Because he walked with God. He walked with God. He lived life to the fullest because of the presence of God in his life. What does it entail for you and I to live our lives based on the promises of God? What do we need to know? What do we need? We need to know the promises of God. If you're going to wait just for the next Sunday to wait for the message because the verses will be displayed on the screens, what are you living the six other days of the week on? No wonder we cannot finish reading the Bible. Have you read the Bible in the first? No, because CCF has not explained the whole Bible yet to us. I'm waiting for next Sunday. How many verses will we be able to share? If you and I desire to live based on the promises of God, we must know the promises of God. We must spend time in reading the Bible, which contains the promises of God. Yes or no? They say that the Bible is what? Basic instruction before leaving earth. We buy a car. It comes definitely with so many books, manuals, the engine, the transmission, the radio, the security. No, do you and I read it? Of course not. Of course not. All we need is <clears throat> That's it. We don't read the manual. Right? But in Christianity, we have to read the manual. We have to spend time reading the Word of God so that we know the promises of God, so that we can live our life based on the promises of God. You might be claiming this, you might be claiming that, and you say, God, but you said, God, and God will say, I didn't see that. You see the problem? Be God's best friend forever. Live your life based on the promises of God. Second, live with the end in mind. Live with the end in mind. Live for today in anticipation of the future. Did Abraham do this? Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man and satisfied with life. He was gathered to his people. Then his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, facing Mamre, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth, where Abraham was buried and Sarah, with Sarah, his wife. When do, you, when do you buy a memorial plot? 
usually. When the death occurs, that's the time. Meron bang memorial plot? And then what happens? You find a memorial plot, and guess what? Because the seller knows you're in a hurry. Why? No preparation. When do you buy insurance? When you're old, the premium is very high. Why? The insurance company knows you're going to die soon. So they won't be able to get much from you. But if you start buying an insurance part, and I'm not an insurance agent, okay? I don't sell funeral lots either. When you start a life insurance policy when you are young, the premium is very low. Why? Because the company knows you will pay and pay and pay. You have a long life. They will get more money than what you put in. But they're supposed to invest that so that when you do pass away, the value of your policy is more than what you put in. Abraham lived a good, full life. He was satisfied. Who buried him? His first two children. Who was the first? Ishmael. Who was the second? Isaac. And where did they bury him? In the land, in the property that he had purchased before. Remember? He was supposed to be buried in Canaan. He didn't want to be buried anywhere else. If you want to be buried in Canaan, what do you need to do? You have to buy a property in Canaan. So where did he buy it? From Heth. And who was buried there ahead of Abraham? His wife, Sarai. Abraham lived with the end in mind. He prepared he had already purchased this property way in advance. And then what? It says of the hall of faith in the book of Hebrews. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obey God. By going out to a place which he was to receive. This is all future. For an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise. As in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was what? Looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. See, they didn't have it yet. They looked forward. They were in anticipation of what the promises of God was going to bring to them. But many of us, wait, I want to see first. Then I will move. That doesn't say much about our faith, does it? Abraham moved. He, when God called him Abraham, Leave everything behind and go to this land. I will show you. He didn't know. He didn't know that Canaan was just there off the 10 freeway. Remember, Paul? The Canaan Chinese cuisine. And then your mom said, that's a good restaurant. He didn't know. It's just there. But when God told him, go, go. He didn't ask for directions. No GPS, no nothing. Go. And he left. He even took his nephew Lot with him. Who else? All these, 
You have to read it for yourself, okay, for, for time. Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. Yeah. It was yet coming. But they were looking forward. They appreciated all of this from a distance, yet they lived by faith. And having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. How about Moses? He grew up in Pharaoh's palace. He was royalty, but what did he do? By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God rather than enjoying the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Why? For he was looking to the reward. Either I live as Pharaoh's daughter's son and experience the pleasures and sin of Egypt, or I will suffer with God's people because I know that there is a reward that is awaiting me. It's a matter of choice. The Apostle Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. Did he get the prize? Not yet. But what? His life was being poured out. He gave everything to what God had wanted him to do. And his perspective about all of this, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me. What? The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. Something forward. Something in the future. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Live with the end in mind. This is not our final dwelling place. There is a heaven to look forward to. And I like to go to heaven not because heaven is beautiful. I like to go to heaven because my Lord is there. Even Jesus did everything for something in the future. This is what he said. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before. Everything was forward. Whom for the joy set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross, scorning its shame. And then we had finished the work that God had given him. What happened? He sat down. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What did Jesus tell God the Father? Father, glorify me with the honor that I had when I was with you. Now is the time for you to glorify me for I have done everything that you have asked. See, friends, we, we, we cannot say that we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ when we don't follow Him. 
It is one thing to know Him. It is another thing to know about Him. But to be called a disciple means I am a follower. It means I obey Christ. And I know His promises. And I live with the end, with the future in mind. There were people who didn't live like that. They live for the here and the now. Look at Luke 17. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also be in the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came in and destroyed them all. So what happened? Party! And then what? Boom! Gone. Everyone gone. How about Lot? Likewise, it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Why? They were living for the here and the now. I know we all know this. Eat, drink, and be merry. For what? Tomorrow we die. And then when you die, where will you go? I shared with you, I got called into a situation wherein the person was dying, leukemia, went to Houston, went to London, went all over the place to seek a cure. Nothing could be done. When he heard that the pastor was there, is the pastor here? Everyone out. I said, what, is I, what, did, I get, what did I get myself into? So the moment I sat down, he looks at me, his hair is already dried up. He has lesions. And he looks at me. Are you the pastor? I said, yes. I don't want you to pray for my healing. Being a godly man that I am. Okay, I won't pray for your healing. Because you don't want me to pray for your healing, I'm not going to pray for your healing. I said, why don't you want? He said, I want to die. Okay. When you die, where will you go? And by God's grace, I was able to share with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And towards the end of our time, he prayed with me, surrendered his life to Christ. After two weeks, he died. No one could visit him because he is or was the son of of one of the political exiles during the Marcos time. It was only a friend of a friend of a friend who brought me into that situation. We will all die. We will all experience eternity. Some of us will experience, well, not this group, Lord willing. Some people will experience eternity in hell, separated from God forever. Some people will experience eternity in the presence of Jesus. Noah, the people during Noah's time, they didn't care. All of a sudden, the flood came. The people during the time of Lot, they didn't care. What happened? It rained fire and brimstone. Jacob, the twin of Esau in the Philippines, Esau. Supplanter, 
He deceived. With the help of his mother, he deceived the father and he got the blessing. Right? How old was Abraham when he died? 175. So Jacob said, said to Pharaoh, The years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life. Nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. Abraham lived 175. And he lived an old man satisfied. Jacob lived 130. And how does he describe himself? How does he describe his life? Oh, the years have been unpleasant. The years have been few compared to my forefathers. So what should we do? If we want to live with the end in mind, follow what the psalmist in Psalm 90 verse 12 says. Teach us to number our days so that what? That we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Live as wise. Do not live as fools. Live as wise. Do not live as wise. You know wise? You want to maneuver. Live based on the promises of God and live with the end in mind. Then you can be God's best friend forever. Live based on the promises of God. Live with the end in mind. And lastly, live to live again. What's your plan, Pastor? I jokingly reply, to die and go to heaven. Very simple. My plan in life is very simple. To die and go to heaven. Of course, I want to live first before I die. Then I want to live the rest of eternity with God in heaven. So the last point is live to live again. What do we mean? Genesis 25 verse 5. Abraham, what? Gave all that he had to Isaac. To Keturah. He gave gifts. And he, he told Isaac, oh, you go away. Far from my son Isaac. To Isaac, he gave everything. Alright? Why? Because Isaac was the heir through whom God will fulfill his promise to bring the line to the blessing of Jesus Christ. Are you still with me? Alright. Now, Genesis 25, 11. It came about after the death of Abraham. What? God. It was God who blessed Isaac. And not just Abraham who gave Isaac the blessing. It was God. God blessed Abraham. And now when is that blessing? That blessing is now in Isaac. Because Abraham was faithful to God. Because Abraham obeyed. Because Abraham lived his life based on the promise of God. Because Abraham lived with the end in mind. He didn't see it. He knew that it was coming because God said so. So he's able to live. He was able to leave a legacy to his son. He left everything to Isaac. And God blessed Isaac. And Isaac lived 
by Beir Lahai Roy. Why Isaac? Because God told Abraham, after Abraham had a son by Hagar, God told him, Naah, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be a father of a multitude of nations. It is not through Hagar, and it's not through Ishmael. It will be through Sarah and your son, Isaac. So the legacy was going to be passed on from Abram to Isaac. Remember, God blesses you to be a blessing to others. Your life can be a blessing to the next generation. If you live it based on the promise of God, if you live it with the end in mind, and what's the third point? Live to live again. What do we mean? Psalm 49. Do people live forever? Don't they all face death? See, even wise people die. Fools and stupid people also die. And what? Leave their wealth to others. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. That's why James says, you adulterous people. Love God and God alone. The world will pull you down. And then what happens? When you die, who will partake of all that you have amassed? Others. You know how much President Marcos left when he died? Everything. He left everything. When you die, guess what? You will also leave everything. But if you live your life based on the promise of God, if you live with the end in mind, and if you live to live again, you'll be able, Lord willing, to leave a legacy to the next generation. Ecclesiastes, written by the, the world's wisest man, King Solomon, he says, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man and the living takes it to heart. You know, when you go, you and I go to a funeral service, a wake service, what does that remind you of? Right? When is it going to be my turn? What will I do with the remaining years? Pastor Danny, remember, he was saying last week, he's what, 60, how many years left? What are you preparing? Are you preparing to just die and be buried? Or are you preparing to die and then live again? So you must live so that you can live again. If you live only to die, what good is that? What am I saying? And what does this have to do with Abraham? So Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That word reckoned is an accounting term. Those of you who know accounting, debit, credit, this is a credit. In other translations, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as what? Righteousness. 
Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are in the sons of Abraham. Remember the blessing supposed to trickle down? How is that achieved? By faith. By faith in whom? Abraham believed God. It's not enough to just believe. The object of your faith must be God. Because if you believe in something else, get what? That is your God. That's why it goes on to say, The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, All nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Why? Because he lived this life based on faith. Faith in God. And how does that blessing affect or continue or trickle down to us? Look at what Galatians 3 says. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come down to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So who is this blessing now that Genesis chapter 12 has been talking about and that we've been reading all the way through as far as today, Genesis 25? Who is that blessing? Who is that seed? The Lord Jesus Christ. And what does the Lord Jesus Christ have to do with that? This is what he says. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Live to live again. Don't just live to die. Live with the eternity in heaven in front of you. Live for that glorious day. Live to live again. Abraham obeyed everything that God had told him to do. That's why the book of James tells us, the scripture was fulfilled and says, Abraham believed God. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called what? The friend of God. Second Chronicles 20. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Now, it's one thing to say that President Obama is my friend. Right? But if President Obama calls me his friend, uh, is there a difference? If I call God my friend, is that enough? Or should I make sure that God himself calls me his friend? Which is more important? Remember in Matthew 7, the people wanted to go and enter heaven. I said, wait a minute. You cannot. Who are you? I do not know you. You are evildoers. Ah, oh, but we did this, we did this, we did this, we did this. Depart from me, I do not know you. So what is more important is not for you to call your God your friend, but for God to call you his friend, right? These are all talking about referring Abraham, the friend of God. Abraham, the friend of God forever. Did God say something 
that would validate this? Isaiah 41, verse 8. But you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, this is God speaking, descendants of Abraham, my friend, who says that Abraham is the friend of God? God. It is not what men call us. It is depend, the most important thing is what God calls us. I can declare until the Lord returns, I am a friend of God. But unless and until God calls me His friend, I'm just blowing in the wind. I'm just making a lot of noise. But if God calls me His friend, who is at the door? In song. Oh, He's my friend. Let Him in. Get it? Live to live again. Uh, how does one live to live again? Romans 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time and he died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Why? For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. No longer enemies, no longer slaves, but friends. Friends of God forever. Jesus Christ made sure that that would take place. He died for the penalty of all of our sins. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of all our sins. He died so that you and I could live again. Yes, Pastor, I appreciate that. I am a friend of God. Really? How can I make sure? What is the evidence? What is the proof? Well, let's ask Jesus Christ. You are my friends. If, if you do what I command. So what is the proof of your claim to being a friend of God? Your obedience. Well, uh, I'm okay with that. I love God anyway. Okay, let's listen to him again. What does he say? If you love me, what? So if you claim to be his friend, guess what? You have to be obedient to what he says. If you say that you love God, you still have to be what? Obedient to what he commands. Very simple as far as God is concerned. Yes? Yes? 
How can you be a friend of God? You need Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ sacrificed His life for you and for me. There is no other way to live again except to have Jesus Christ and put your faith solely on Him. And if you have done that, and God says, your sins are forgiven, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. And what is the proof of that new relationship? You live a life of obedience. Not in order to merit salvation, but as your response to the grace of God that He has given to you freely through His Son, Jesus Christ. Salvation is free, but we have the responsibility to live out our salvation with a life of obedience. A life of obedience will set you and I apart from the rest of the world. Who is this person who does not work on Sunday? Who is this person that pays his taxes? Who is this person that gives 10% of his salary? Who is this person that does not curse? Who is this person that doesn't go with us because he says he's going to read the Bible and going to join his D group? What in the world is that? He's crazy. I'd rather be called crazy by the world than not to be known by the Lord Jesus Christ. Be God's best friend forever. Be God's BFF. How? Live by God's promises. Live with the end in mind. And live to live again. Because I know that many, if not all of us, are God's best friend having received Jesus Christ. My encouragement to all of us is to live out your salvation with fear and trembling. Live a life of obedience and glorifying God in the process.